bitch, please. Oh, bitch, please, my ass. You want a sandwich? Dig that. Oh, hell yeah. She's a bad Hello and welcome to the latest episode of the JB's Low Tech Podcast. As I stare out my window and see the snowless Minnetonka in, in Minnesota, I was wondering what could I talk about today? Well, I finally figured that, well, I kind of knew for over a week now, but I uh, figured out how I wanted to put it. And you would, he you would hear my spin on one of the leading topics in college sports today here next and a letter from the mailbag on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. Is that text you're sending so important that you miss your turn? Is that text you're sending so important that you ran the red light? Is that text you're sending so important you didn't see the ball coming onto the road or the child that followed? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw and Bryant. When you take your eyes off the road for even four seconds, your vehicle travels 100 yards. That's the entire length of a football field. If you absolutely have to text, you need to pull off the road somewhere safe and do it from there. Texting and driving is against the law and can cause serious injury or even death to you and others. Now that is important. We hope you're never injured in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. How does it feel? Well, my leg is improving with every day, even though it doesn't feel like it most days, but I am making it through. So with that, I want to thank everybody who have reached out, checked in, checked up on me. I appreciate that. Uh, here's a letter in the mailbag from a, I guess, a, I don't know what to use, a constant listener or a, a listener of great magnitude but um i want to thank everybody for listening by the way there's i um i've noticed that i reach out to people in many different states minnesota missouri illinois michigan wisconsin north carolina texas florida new mexico and even overseas i've seen that the data that I reach people overseas. With that, I'm happy to uh, report that and also bring that to 
delight that you're listening to a podcast that is not only nationally listened to, but listened to around the world. Okay, enough bragging. A letter in the mailbag from a friend, Joel M., in Minneapolis, and the topic was on, this was following my uh, year in review for the year 2023, and I covered a lot of different things in college sports, and the bank in the infect in fact, <laughs> the effect on many people and the magnitude that it's, it's had so far. And this person said to me, well done, but I'm glad I'm old. So I don't, I don't have to worry about any of that anymore. <laughs> so I know what you're saying. I kind of wonder if I could still be as much as much as I missed it. The athletes and some of the coaches and a few of the administrators, I wonder if I could uh, operate in college athletics anymore at this day and time. I was always sure I could, but these days I am not that sure. So a lot of changes. Here's another letter from Michael in Missouri. Maine, you spilled all the, all the beans on that college football on college football in that podcast. You sure you're not going to have to go into witness protection program? Keep up the information. Keep the information coming. Well, thank you for the letter. And uh, I, my plan is to keep talking about college athletics. It never slows down. Things are changing. They're, right now, the NC2A is in a big meeting, constitutional meeting. There could be fallout, should be fallout, and there could be tons of changes. What's going to happen as far as eligibility, payments, transferring, all that stuff. And you think, well, you just keep talking about it. That's because it keeps changing, changing every day. Somebody makes a decision, either the NCAA or some court or some athlete or some coach makes some decision that has uh, mass fallout with a ton of other people around the, the country in college athletics. And I just mentioned coaches. I just want to say that I know I'm a little late talking about Nick Saban retiring, but I did it on, on purpose because I knew there would be more fallout. And what I'm talking about, more than fall. <coughs> the direct fallout of him retiring and somebody replacing him and somebody replacing that person and so on and so forth, I knew something would get exposed. And I just kept waiting for it to happen. And it finally did. And uh, I want to check that or talk about that right now as we go into the 2024 start of the season and um, look at what that I'm really going to get into the nitty-gritty about here. In the sports world, there is a saying, you don't want to be the person that replaces the person. And that means if you have a great coach, and I hate using that term, if you have a very successful coach like uh, Nick Saban, and he finally hangs it up, then people wonder, you know, outside of the school, who's going to replace said winning coach? And will that coach continue to win at the level that they are accustomed to? And that brings the saying that you don't want to be the person to replace the person. 
it's easy to replace the person who failed, but it's very hard to replace the person who was very successful and their shadow will loom over you until you can step outside of their shadow and prove that you can be successful yourself. Nick Saban, when he took over Alabama, they were a below 500 program or a 500 program. I think the, and I hate to say this, the final embarrassment for Alabama was losing to the University of Minnesota in the uh, Music City Bowl. Uh, Shula was the coach. It was his final game. They had already told him he was done. They allowed him to coach. And then they brought in, um, they convinced Coach Saban, who had earlier just lied that he was not going to Alabama, um, showed up at Alabama, and um, things changed. Decent first year, kind of hard second year, and then things took off from that point. But then you look at the people that, re like I said, the replacement of the replacement, and you have Kalen DeBoer, who's now at Alabama leaving Washington, and then you have Mike Elko, who left Duke to go to Texas A&M. And uh, Manny Diaz, who was a coordinator, went to Duke. Things like Jerry Kill decided he had had enough at New Mexico, and they hired Brock Mendenhall. Washington was looking for University of Washington, who was coming into the Big Ten, was looking for a coach, and they hired Jed Fish away from Arizona. And it just goes on and on and on as... Um, Arizona hired the coach from San Jose State. And these things keep going on and on. It's just a domino, flicking a domino, and they all fall. And nobody knows who's going to be successful where or what, what's going to happen. The other fallout you see from it is the mass, mass, mass transfers because of the freedom the athletes have. They go to a school to not for the school, per se, but to play for a specific coach. And when that coach leaves, they get 30 days to make up their mind if they want to leave or stay. Some stay just to see how things may go th through spring ball. Some stay just to see who the new coach is. And some immediately, I'm out. You even had a couple of situations where young men had made a decision, excuse me, to um, transfer to a school only to have their coach transfer, uh, move to a different school. And they were like, immediately, nope, I'm out. And now they're back in the transfer portal looking for a new school. Can we blame all this on Nick Saban? Eh, 20%, because it was his decision that caused all this. I mean, some of it's because people were going to get fired anyway. But then also, you know, with all the other stuff, NIL and Transfer Portal, you know, that pay, plays a good 40% uh, itself. But then the next hunk is the behavior that I just spoke of by the athletes. It's a learned behavior. They, they learn from their parents you know, they, they watch parents smoke or not smoke. They watch parents drink or not drink. They watch people in their lives do those things. And they learn behaviors. And one of the behaviors that they've learned is if person I'm coming for 
isn't going to be around, I'm leaving. Well, oddly enough, coaches started doing that when athletic directors started leaving. And athletic directors started doing that when presidents started leaving. And so on and so forth. It all has a domino effect. And it just, I wouldn't say that the young people hadn't learned this in the past. They've finally gotten the freedom to be able to move freely when the situation happens. I guess people worry less and less about grad, them actually getting a degree, being even their parents or the coach that's running from school to school that may drag them from school to school. It's all about exposure and NIL money. <coughs> Excuse me. It's the first time I've talked talked this much in a while, so my voice is going to be a little scratchy. I wanted to get deeper into this with talking about, yeah, and you hear this discussion all the time, who's the most powerful person in college athletics? Is it Nick Saban? Is it um, the eight, uh, not the AD, the uh, commissioner in uh, the SEC or the commissioner of the Big Ten or this person or that person, because there is no overall commissioner of college football. Or is it Charlie Baker, the president of the NC2A? Or is it the presidents? They all play a part in this. But right now, I would say as far as it goes to college football, the most powerful person, his name is Jimmy Sexton. And you go, who? Jimmy Sexton. Jimmy Sexton is the agent to the star coaches in college football. Jimmy Sexton knew before anybody else that Nick Saban was going to retire. Jimmy Sexton was able to start his own plan on who would be the next coach at Alabama. Alabama didn't use a search firm. He used Jimmy Sexton. Like I said, he was a, Nick Saban was a client of his, so Alabama was like, well, it's worked for us before. Let's stay down this tree and see if they can help us with somebody. Here is some of the issues that go on with that. When you have one powerful agent like that, they know what jobs are opening and what and who they think and who the schools think would be the best fit for that. He knows who's going to fill the job. So when they were all on the air talking about, will it be this person or that person or this person? Will it be the guy at Oregon? Will it be the guy at Washington? Will it be the guy at Florida State? Will it be the guy at Texas? Jimmy Sexton knew who it's going to be. He, because he reached out to Alabama, talked to Alabama, gave a list. He gave a list, <laughs> even though the AD is supposed to have his own list. And if the AD's list and Jimmy Sexton's list cross at some point, then you have a leading candidate. But we would never know who those names are. But then he knows how to play one school off on another. Meaning that if he's got five powerful coaches and they're all candidates for this job, he can contact the other schools and say, Judd Fish is a, a candidate for the Alabama job. What are you going to do, Arizona, to keep him? Or you could do the same thing with Kalen DeBoer at Washington. Say, Washington, what are you going to do to keep him? And the same thing for... Uh, Dan Lanning at Oregon. What are you going to do to keep him? 
you, you say, why is that a big deal? <laughs> like I stated, he knows which one out of that group is going to get the job, but he knows he's going to get all the rest of them pay raises or other jobs eventually, which leads to bigger pay raises for them. Which, as an agent, because he only gets a percentage, was it 3 to 7%, he's going to get a percentage of each of their new contract, which means more money for Jimmy Sexton. So as he puppet mastered the who is going to get hired at Alabama, he got the guy at Oregon a, a pay raise. He got the guy at Texas a pay raise. He got the guy at Arizona a pay raise, but eventually still got him a new job at Washington with an even better pay raise. He got the guy at Florida State a pay raise. Do you follow what I'm putting down that this guy is controlling it all? He is feared, loved, respected, and the more, most morally corrupt person in college football. Now, you can say that I'm being a little mean on him, but let's face it. The thing that's always bugged me and the one thing that should bug all, bug all of you about college athletics and stuff like this going on, most of them are state institutions, not private. State, which means state funding is being used to... Hire that coach, pay that coach, pay that agent, and all those things fall into line. He has athletic directors and school presidents on, on the phone constantly, even contacting him when there's no job opening just to see what's going on. And people are always fearing to hear their school Listed, even though these athletic directors and presidents themselves may be represented by Jimmy Sexton or somebody like him and are looking for the next big page payday. Many podcasts ago, I called this effect the ladder climbing effect, and you see it in college athletics. You see somebody reach the administrator level in a department. And they're not satisfied with just being there. It's where can I go to get the next spot to make more money, to get more power? Do I go to compliance? Do I go to academics? Do I uh, athlete personnel? Do I, where do I go? Do I become a senior women's administrator? How can I get to the next step in the next step? Well, somebody like Jimmy Sexton morally corrupts the system because he uses it and he uh, puppet masters the system, not caring about what it's doing to budgets and schools' accountability. He just worries about his clients. I guess that's his job. That's what he gets paid for. And putting more money in his pocket. As I said, ADs and school presidents fear him, love him, hate him because they all know he, he plays them all for suckers. And he gets the best. Now, I'm not saying he's the only agent out there, but.
But when you look at the big names, when people get to the top level, oddly enough, Jimmy Sexton is the guy they all gravitate to and um, sign up with because they know that's going to mean more money, more money, more money, as uh, the homeboys street network used to say. It's just it's mind-blowing just to see how these schools in, re- interact, react, and behave. It's something as simple as hiring a new coach. But their fear is that if they screw it up, then they're out of a job. Then they're out looking or maybe have to go work in the private sector or have to take a step back and become an associate athletic director or something less powerful or, <laughs> or less uh, money-wise for them. Money and power makes the world go round, especially in college athletics. So, And some people say, well, just use a search firm. Yeah, that's, that's one way of doing it. But search, there's top search firms out there, and they can be just as powerful and just as manipulative as Jimmy Sexton is. These places and people care about two things their clients, and their wallet. And if a search firm fails a school on their latest search, then they're not going to get tried again. The school will probably go directly to an agent and say, who would you think would be the leading people that would want and take this position? And like I said, then they would match their list a good athletic, I've always been told, a good athletic director has a list of, sorry about that, potential coaches to hire at any for any sport that they have, meaning that they have three, four, five names for who would be the next softball coach, who would be the next women's basketball coach, who would be the next swim coach, who would be the next hockey coach who would be the next lacrosse coach, and on and on and on. But then they want to be reassured about their decision outside of the president and maybe a few boosters who are pushing them in a certain direction. They want to feel good about a decision about making, when they're making that decision, being helped. And when you're being helped by the superstar of college football coaches, it just makes you feel better. Well, this is a short one. I wanted to touch it on it. I can care less about Nick Saban's career. I'm going to be honest about it. I'm glad he had success. I'm glad that the University of Alabama had success, but it means nothing to me. I, you know, I care about my school and I care about its, its success, even though this present time I may not like the coach that's there or care for the coach that's there but those are my my opinions and um, I just deal with it as it comes well after this commercial break from our title sponsor Bradshaw and Bryant you know Mike Bryant at BB Law on Twitter and um, I'll come back and wrap this up like I said it's a short one but uh, hopefully it was a detailed one. Wait a minute. Was that text you sent so important you missed your turn? So important you just ran a red light? 
Is that next text so important that you won't see the ball roll into the street and the child chasing it? Hi, I'm Mike Bryant from Bradshaw Bryant. Please remember that having your eyes off the road for as little as four seconds equals 100 yards. That's the length of an entire football field. And when your eyes are off the road that long, anything can happen. If you need to text, please pull off the road. Texting and driving isn't worth it. It's against the law, and it may cause serious injury to you or others, or even death. That's more important than anything you'll text. Please don't text and drive. I hope you're never hurt in a collision, but if you are, please contact us. Find Bradshaw and Bryant, personal injury attorneys at minnesotapersonalinjury.com. Working harder, going farther, with Mike Bryant on your side. Seeking justice for the injured. Bradshaw and Bryant. listening like i said this is a short one but a succinct one i i knew that there was a fly in the ointment or there was somebody controlling the strings on who was going to replace whom and the old saying who's zooming whom well in college athletics especially when it comes to hiring head coaches it's jimmy sexton so Until next time, thank you for listening. Tell a friend. Tell them that I'm heard around the world, especially in the United States and in Canada, Western Canada. I want to thank you all for listening here on the JB's Low Tech Podcast. JB is my name and f***ing up motherfuckers is my game. Right on. Negro, black, African-American, black, black, black. Django, J.B. Damn, Dolomite. Great card in heaven, you know. J.B. Our great Negro sex machine.